Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Coors Light presents Heavy Montreal, July 28th and 29th, outdoors at Parc Jean Drapeau, featuring Avenged Sevenfold, Rob Zombie, and Marilyn Manson. A weekend of hard rock and metal with Gojira, Emperor, Under Oath, Hollywood Undead, and many more. Festival passes are on sale now. See the full lineup at heavymontreal.com. Produced by Avenco. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. This is the Sean Baker Orchestra with Which Way to Radio Land.
Welcome to another edition of the podcast. I have a very special guest with me today, co-host, I guess I would uh, call him. He has his own show, which is called Growing Up Rock. I was on the show recently and had so much fun just talking about myself on his show. It was it was a blast and I loved the the episode. And his name is Stephen Michael and he does the show with Sonny Pooney. Stephen, how are you? What's going on, Mark? Thanks for having me. Yeah, well thanks for having me and I wanted to just officially plug to my listeners my appearance on on your show because it was episode 38 and again it's the growing up rock and that's g-r-o-w-i-n podcast and it's on itunes and it's on your site what's your site it's just growing up rock right yeah it's just growing up rock.com but you can pick up the that episode and the rest of the episodes at any of your favorite uh podcast listening platforms it's it's out there and available it's an independent podcast just like talking metal is and just like talking rock is and I encourage everyone to go subscribe to it on iTunes, give it a five-star review, and also use your Amazon links, right? You have those Amazon links. I got to tell you, Stephen, I've been trying to uh, show the Amazon link on your site a little a little love because I'm always telling my listeners to, uh, to use my Amazon links. And it's important because even though we do these shows as a hobby and we love doing them, there is some cost involved, and it's nice to feel a little love back from the listeners. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, it's all about, uh, just like you said, it's for the love of rock and roll. We, uh, we're we a huge music fan, so these podcasts, uh, we, we spend a lot of time and put uh, blood, sweat, and tears into it, but it's, it's about um, music fans uh, doing these podcasts for music fans. So Absolutely. Uh, it cost, cost us a little bit of money, and basically these Amazon links on, on uh, your website and on the Grown Up Rock uh, website are all about just trying to kind of make uh, a few pennies here and there to pay for our hosting cost and uh, things like that. So uh, we're still working the full time jobs and uh, don't see that changing anytime soon. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, give us a little background on your podcast because, because like I said, I really enjoyed coming on and, and just t- sharing my history. Again, it's episode 38 of the Growing Up Rock podcast. I think all the Talking Metal listeners would get a kick out of at least hearing that episode as, as well as your other episodes. But talk a little bit about the, the history of the podcast and, and your co host and how it all came about. Yeah, so the podcast has been in existence for just about a year in August. So we launched the first episodes last August, and uh, we've been going strong with at least an episode every week. Sometimes we even give bonus episodes where we'll we'll release a couple in a week uh, just to give the the listeners a little bit of extra. But um, I grew up a hard rock and metal fan, uh, you know, as a teenager and I grew up in a small town. And so I have a a huge love, uh, for this guitar driven rock and roll. And it's not that I don't listen to anything else. I listen to all kinds of music. I'm a basic music fan, but that's kind of where I hang my hat is in hard rock and metal. And so, um, I got the opportunity, uh, a year or two ago to kind of take a different direction, uh, and do some different things. And so I wanted to start a podcast because at the time I got the idea, there were only a, like a handful of podcasts. Now, of course, there's plenty of great podcasts out there. Yeah. It's really exploded these past few years. Yeah, it really has. And, and, as far as I'm concerned, it's great for rock and roll because uh, it hopefully exposes people to, um, you know, the fact that rock is not dead. There's plenty of great rock and roll, both past and present, still uh, still happening. And so uh, I came up with this idea of, of really trying to put together a podcast where we go back in not only listeners' um, uh history, but rock star histories and just kind of, um, 
get these nostalgic um, music memories where uh, people have these memories of being in high school and cruising the local mall listening to the brand new Van Halen record or the brand new ACDC record uh, or running into this rock star in a bar one night or whatever music memories you may have. Uh, and then tie those music memories to the actual music that was taking place at the time. And so that's kind of the idea behind growing up rock is, is visiting some of those stories and memories of, uh, again, not only rock stars, but also the listeners. So if you go to the growing up rock website, you can put your story in there and that story comes to us and we may talk about it on the show or we may even ask you to come on the show and tell your story if it's something really crazy. Uh, so we've done a few episodes with what we call time capsules and we've had people come on and, and tell us their growing up rock story. And, uh, we, we like to say everybody's got a rock and roll story to tell. And, uh, we, we honestly, we kind of believe that because, Somebody like me, so I'm completely as far from famous as, as anybody. I mean, I'm Joe the Plumber. I'm Joe the Plumber next door. Right. Right. But but I've had some cool brushes with greatness over the years. I mean, I started out when I was a, a 17-year-old kid in high school. I started out working at a local arena uh, in my small hometown and they had just built this arena. And so the first rock concert that they had in the arena, once they built it was kiss wow. on the animal on the animalized tour. So I vividly remember, uh, standing backstage next to Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons, wow, just, awesome. just watching sound check. And I can vividly remember, uh, helping Eric Carr's drum tech set up his drum kit. Wow. And so, and, and so Bruce Kulik was in the band by that point, right? Cause uh, yeah. Mark St. John, what he only played like a handful of shows, I believe. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, uh, Bruce Kulik for sure. Wow. And, uh, you know, it's just like that, like being a 16, 17 year old kid, uh, standing on the, on standing on the animalized stage, looking out at an empty arena. Um, I mean, that was pretty freaking cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, so there's, there's lots of stories that I have like that. And, and then I went on to be a road manager and, uh, you know, oh, ended wow. up at the right at the right place at the right time for various bands. And I didn't work with anybody huge and, uh, never made it to that point as a road manager. I worked with a lot of baby bands and stuff, but right. you know, there were situations where, uh, you know, I found myself, uh, one night having dinner with, um, all three members of rush and Steve Morse. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, That's so awesome. there's, there's all these cool stories, but I'm just, I'm just a dude, right? I'm just a Joe, Joe, the, uh, music fan. So, uh, I, I think that there's a lot more people out there with similar stories. And I, I always find it interesting to hear that and your, your episode case in point. So I knew you, I'd met you at the rock and pod expo. We had we had gone back and forth on a few communications here and there. I listened to the talking metal podcast. So, I knew that part of you, but getting you on the show uh, and starting to dig into kind of your past and doing some research before we had you on the show and everything, we dug up all these cool things that Mark Striegel has done that maybe nobody knows about. And I found that I found that episode personally, I found that episode really interesting. Well, thanks. thanks. You know, maybe all your you know, maybe all your avid listeners that have been with you for the last uh, 10 years, whatever, you know, know all this stuff, but I didn't know all that stuff. So I, I thought it was really cool to, you know, find out uh, the story with some of these things. And uh, right. who knew Mark was a great, was a great guitar player jamming with all these different people uh, for, you know, fuse uh, videos or whatever. That's right, cool right. stuff, you know? Yeah, so, well, I really appreciate you, you having me on. Again, it was episode 38 of the Growing Up Rock podcast. You know, let's uh, let's hit some music right now. I know you have a few tracks 
picked out and I have a few requests I also want to get to here, but let's, uh, you got two, which one you want to hit first? So let one of the biggest albums, uh, for me growing up, uh, I was a huge Van Halen fan and I got into band. I got into Van Halen. Van Halen was basically what kisses to you. Van Halen was to me. Wow. Uh, And so I was a huge Van Halen fan, but I had heard Van Halen. I had, um, you know, I knew who they were. I didn't own any of the records and wasn't deep into it until I spent a summer with a friend of mine, uh, round about middle school or so. Uh, and he comes up to me this, this, uh, this morning, this one morning, he comes up to me and he goes, check this out. And he had brand new vinyl of the fair warning record. Nice. And we put that on. And the first thing I hear was this song that you're about to play. And I lost my shit. And it was over from then. I went back. I got every record. I got all the catalog. I I just I couldn't get enough of it. I was so intrigued with with Eddie's playing and the tone and the craziness that is Dave. Uh, and, And I was sold because to me, that was what rock and roll was all about. Absolutely. Cool. Well, let's check it out right now. This is off the Fair Warning album, right? What what track are we going to hear again? We're going to hear the lead-off track and the first track that I heard on this record when we put the vinyl down, Mean Street.
Mean Street by Van Halen off the Fair Warning record, which, did you read No Monk's book that he has out? Uh, the Van Halen manager has a great book out. I don't know if you read that, Stephen. I, I have not read it, but I've listened to all the No Monk interviews that he went on the press uh, junket and did, and, you know, he he told a lot of stories. I wonder if he left anything out that right. was in the book because he told so much of what was in that book. I found it really interesting and uh it's on my it's on my uh to read list, you know. Yeah, it's a great, great uh read. I actually did the the book on tape version of it. I I was listening to it in, in the car and they had a real nice VO guy who sounds nothing like the, the real no monk narrate no monk stories. Uh, but it, that record there, no monk kind of describes that as, as a time. And again, if you don't know, no monk guys, he was the manager during the, the Dave years, uh, Back in the late seventies, early eighties, he started as their tour manager and then became their their full manager. Um, he describes that record as one where they kind of just let Eddie go do his own thing, and Dave didn't quite have his hand in the creative process quite as much as he did on some of the other records, which a lot of people speculated that was because. Uh, that is why, at least, that record became kind of had a heavier, darker vibe. And it also they they were freaking out about it because it didn't really sell what the label wanted it to sell. It was a, a drop off from the previous three records. But it's really, I think, today become a, a fan favorite. Not of all the records, maybe the most heavy metal, if you you will, at least by, you know, early 80s standards of what heavy metal was. Do you agree with that statement? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, um, uh, I think it's more geared towards, uh, guys than it is girls. I'll say that up front. So I, it just doesn't have a lot of the party attitude that, um, uh, the first, uh, three Van Halen records had, you know? And, and so I agree with that statement, um, fully it's it's much darker uh the guitar technique on it is what uh blew me away i mean there's just some yeah yeah, there's just some really cool stuff on there from a musician standpoint uh that i think is fantastic and you know i don't know if it was always my favorite record and i don't even know today if it's my favorite record because that's kind of like picking your favorite kid and those first for me those first five Van Halen records, okay. including Diver Down. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, because there's a lot of good stuff on Diver Down. I know, you know, people are like, well, it had half covers and it's not. Uh, for a while, I didn't know that um, uh, Where Have All the Good Times Gone and... Um, Kinks cover, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that was a cover, really. I mean, I knew Dancing in the Streets was a cover. I knew Pretty Woman was a cover. Uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of the song Pretty Woman, but I really love stuff like I thought Little Guitars was a great song. I thought Secrets was an amazing song. Yeah. Um, and uh, The Full Bug. The Full Bug rocks, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah The Full rock, Bug I, almost sounds like it should be on Fair Warning in, in some ways, you know. It was, sure, yeah. You know, that, and that was an interesting record because they, first of all, the Fair Warning record, according to Noel Monk, was the first time, which was a very common practice back in those days, they did payola for it where they started yep. handing out little bags of Coke and hundred dollar bills through their, uh, independent cause the record companies would always hire like an independent contractor to, to do the, the payola work. Cause you know, it was one step removed yep. from them, but he, he claims that's the, that's the record where they, they had to do that because the record company was freaking out so bad about sales and, I think they spent like, uh, I don't know if it was a million dollars or a hundred thousand. I don't know. It was a lot of money they spent on independent uh, payola promotion for that one, which was kind of interesting. And then, you know, they, they, they weren't, they weren't planning to do a full record for, for Diver Down. It was, what was the, I want to say it was Pretty Woman. They recorded that 
or was it Dancing in the Streets? I can't remember. It was one of those two. They recorded that, and it was going to be, I think it was Pretty Woman, actually. It was going to just be a single that they were going to release, a one-off single. And the label loved it so much that they got thrown back in the studio. And that may be one of the reasons there were so many covers on that record, is they really just weren't quite ready to to go back in the studio yet. Yeah, and, and I mean, for as far as I'm concerned, I mean... You know, there's there's a lot of shady shit going down at, at that period of time with uh, payola and things like that. And I mean, there's a lot of different forms. There was just the payola where, you know, they slip a bag of uh, coke in an album sleeve and give it to the DJ to spin the record a couple more times. But then there were these massive things where they were paying record company chain or not record company. I'm sorry, record store chains like take you know, a hundred thousand of these records and put them in your storeroom and it'll look like we sold a hundred thousand and then you can return them later on, whatever you don't sell. So there's all this crazy shit going on. And, you know, I know that probably a lot of that has died off, but I bet it still goes on a little bit today. Yeah. And there's also a crazy story from that, that Noel Monk book on Van Halen where he meets with, I think it was either for the second or third Van Halen record, he meets with the uh, main editor at Billboard or one of the main, maybe it was a sales guy, I don't know, some, but one of the top people at Billboard. And they basically say, okay, you got this new Van Halen record out. Your band's got this new Van Halen record coming. And they, they say to him, where would you like to see it debut on the Billboard top 100? And he and he was like, well, I'd like to see it, you know, in the top 10 for sure. And basically, he says that then they say, well, well, we'd like to offer you this advertising plan. And it was like a whole thing where if they bought ad time in Billboard magazine, they were pretty much going to get bumped up a couple notches, you know, to just so yeah so shady back in those days but so good and so dangerous you know and i i feel like i feel like all that stuff uh, you know aside it's kind of like what you guys were talking about in your last record of you know just the the dangerous rock girls you know but there was there was a there was a danger connected with with rock and roll back in those days that i i don't really know that it exists that much today and and i i often wonder if if uh that's affected the popularity of of rock music it's it's no longer this this dangerous thing that that the the kid that the parents hate you know and and i don't know it saddens me that we, we i feel like we're really losing the the next generation of rockers because what we had as kids i mean as you're describing it was something so incredibly special and and something that we latched onto and and those songs were the soundtrack of our life and that 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 whole there was a it wasn't just the music there was this whole fantasy and and uh you know just excitement that went along with with it the the songs the concert the just staring into the album covers and and just this whole whole vibe and i don't know is there any way we can ever bring that back for the the younger generation well, you know what? I, I think about that kind of thing often because uh, exactly what you said, you know, are we losing touch with um, the type of music that meant so much to us when we were growing up? And I think there's a lot of things that play a role in it. I don't think the answer is just one fold. I think, uh, I agree. you know. You know, I think I think uh, rap to some extent uh, replaced a little bit of the dangerous element in rock and roll and rock and roll became rock and roll became a little bit too clean at one point in time. But then, uh, you know, the whole streaming thing and all that, I mean, I think the majority of rock fans they'll buy physical product, right? They'll buy an album or they'll buy, um, you know, they'll buy the full record. They're not, they're not much about buying singles. So I think the rock community as a whole is maybe a little bit behind the times in terms of streaming 
which a lot of stuff nowadays is measured on streaming. How many streams did this album get? Right. How many streams did this song get? And so, you know, the, the R&B and the rap and the country and the pop, those people are much more in tune, I think, from a streaming perspective. Uh, so I think that that makes rock and roll uh, seem a little bit more lacking or lagging behind as far as the polls go right. and, and, and all this other shit. So I think, I think at some point the rock and roll community needs to get on board cause I don't think streaming's going away. And, you know, I'm not trying to be an advocate for Spotify or Apple music. In fact, I just spent the last I'm on month three or I'm on trial three now at this point. So, uh, backlash, backlash year, I, I started, um, I got these offers from Amazon music, from Apple music and from Spotify three months free, you know, the deal started out three months free. Uh, if you like it, you start paying for it after the third month. If you don't, then you can cancel at any time. So I said, you know, I'm going to, I told my wife, I said, I'm going to test this out and see how I like it. Because up until that point, I had never streamed before I download, um, I'll download a record I'll buy physical CDs, um, and that's pretty much how uh, I get my music. I don't, uh, I don't buy vinyl because I don't even have a record player anymore. So, okay. um, so that's how I got my music. So I started with Spotify first because that's what came up first. So I started with Spotify, and I'll be honest, I really, really, really loved it. And here's why I loved it: they were so freaking spot on in their recommendations saying, if you like this, try this. And I discovered, I shit you not, Mark, I probably discovered 50 new bands I'd never heard of before that were freaking great. I mean, rock and roll balls wow, to the wall. Awesome. That's awesome. And you know, uh, maybe I was out of touch or, and that was just a sign of me being out of touch, but I don't really think so. I kind of try to stay up on, on a lot of stuff, you know, I mean, like I said, I'm a music fan, but I discovered a bunch. So I was like, man, I really like that. So then my subscription ran out. It was time to move to Amazon music. So then I did three months with Amazon Music. Um, and it's great because anytime like somebody, like a listener, sends you a song to play on the podcast or somebody, uh, Sonny, a lot of times, he'll go, well, this is the theme this week and I'm going to play this song. And it'll be somebody like, I'll be like, who the hell's that? I've never even heard of them or I haven't heard the song or whatever. And I'll have to go listen to it. Well, um, those streaming services are great for just popping up a song and listening to it real quick. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. So you, so you kind of got an idea of what's going on, but, um, I, you know, it's a long winded, I got off on track. I wanted to, um, uh, to get back to what you originally said was, do I worry about the next generation of rock yeah. and roll? And, and yeah, absolutely I do. But I think if, uh, all the rock and roll parents out there do their job, they'll try to steer their kids <laughs> in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do think there's also, you know, the, the, the corporate, you know, as much as as much as the punk rockers and the alt rockers alternative scene, oh, we don't need, you know, we don't need the big corporations. It's all indie. But in a way, I feel like the money behind it, you know, the Led Zeppelin on the Jets and the massive amount of tour support that the bands were given and the, you know, wardrobe and the the video directors and everything that that money you know, let's, let's face it. Star Wars wouldn't have been a great movie if, if there was no budget. You know what I mean? It's like that budget that was behind it also helped make a lot of it really awesome and, and really exciting and larger than life. And it, it attracted us kids to it because it, it, it was just like, just like superheroes. It was something big and, and larger than life. And, and I, I feel like, and dangerous, you know, and I feel like that whole side of it is gone, you know, um, maybe not completely, but it's definitely diminished quite a bit. And I, I do feel like the industry in general, I mean, you can even look at MTV, 
and how they, whether you liked MTV or not back in the day, they, the music industry in the late 70s, early 80s was starting to go down, and they just brought it back to where it was and then took it even further and had millions of viewers at one time watching these videos. And and the way that corporate greed later on slipped in, they thought, well, if we put on uh, you know, the real world, look at we're getting as many viewers as we do when we air music videos. And then later it was like, they they started putting more reality shows on and 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 soon they they had turned their back on music just altogether and look where they are now they're not they're not really doing that well and and i just feel like the record industry too has, has they they everyone's just so concerned with where the next dollar is coming from that they forget about what they're marketing which is is the music and and uh, I, I don't know i think the industry as a whole, the execs, the vice presidents, the presidents of a lot of these labels and media outlets really also bear a big uh, portion of the of the blame. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think there were a lot of <clears throat> I think there were a lot of first in our uh, lifetime, Mark, when we were growing up, you know, the things were changing. And I think that we struggled to figure out, well, where what's what's the next new thing, you know, because right now there's so much music out there readily available to us. I think the uh, shock of it is just kind of gone. It's like, uh, you know, there's, we've said it on our show before and we'll continue to say, so I think society as a whole has musical ADD. Yeah. Well, and and the streaming services, I believe may have something to do with that because it's just so much stuff is there. Whereas when we were kids, we'd, we'd buy those records and, and sure there might, you know, an Iron Maiden peace of mind quest for fire was not a good song, but it was an okay song. But I, I got to know that song just because I had spent money on that record. It was a valuable piece uh, of a valuable product to me. So I, I listened to it and I listened to it over and over and over and over again, where it's now you, you click on Spotify or YouTube. It's like, Oh, okay. You can hear it here for free. And there's not that, there's nothing invested in it, you know? And I, I do, I do think that, that that also is part of the problem. And yet I'm not like, I mean, listen, you have to embrace the technology cause it's gonna, or it's gonna, you know, take you over, which I think in some ways it did the music business, but you know, there's the value just isn't there. Like it used to be in specific songs and, and albums. I just feel like that value is not there. Oh, completely. I mean, we don't have near as much of an opportunity to let something sink in. Uh, you know, I, I think, I think it would be fun to do like a challenge, which is, um, you know, pick, pick five records uh, today and for the next month, listen only to those five albums in their entirety and just spend some time. And I bet that you'll grow to love at least two, maybe even three out of the five. Like they'll stick with you. You'll really start to like that record a lot. You know, obviously you pick the record out, but, um, Case in point. So I think the new Jesus Priest is a great record. Um, but I have yes. not I have not been good about listening to a, any record from front to back uh, repetitive times, like consecutive times. Right. And and since this priest record came out Friday morning when that record came out, I loaded it up on my on my library and said, "Okay, I'm going to clean the house. I'm going to listen to this record front to back. Listen to it completely through." I was like, "God dang, man, it's a killer record." Next opportunity I got, listen to it again front to back, and I did that. And at this point, I probably listened to the Priest record maybe front to back probably five, maybe six times. Uh, front to back and then various singles uh, on playlist while I'm jogging or whatever. I put together a playlist when I go for a run. Uh, and I'll tell you what, man, that, that, 
that's just a great record. But the, the point is, is that I've had an opportunity to spend time with that record, to let that record sink in and to listen to that record front to back, just like in the old days. I mean, that's what I did in the old days, to right. your point. A song like Quest for Fire and Sunlight and Steel and, and uh, you know, things like that, where maybe they weren't the big uh, Those were the two-week numbers. And they weren't even weak, but they were. every song on the record was amazing, except for those two in my we're talking about Peace of Mind by Iron Maiden, by the way. And and I and I love Sunlight and Steel. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So cool. it's it's just you know it's just all on what you want. But yeah, I mean that's it, that that's an amazing record front to back. Absolutely. Let's hit some Priest. This is Children of the Sun, New Judas Priest here on Talking Metal. We are talking with the host of the Growing Up Rock podcast. Steve and Michael, and let's play this, and then I want to come back. I know you got another song, and I want to hear about how you and Sonny, your your co co-host, originally got together. So here's a little Judas Priest on Talking Metal, and we'll be we'll be right back. Priest here on Talking Metal. Stephen, 
Your co-host on Growing Up Rock is Sonny Pooney. Where did you guys meet? We uh, or or as we affectionately call him, Hollywood. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> so Sonny and I um, met through because uh, you're so you're in Texas, right? I, I'm in Atlanta. Atlanta. And, sorry, sorry. Yep, Atlanta. Okay. I'm in Atlanta, and Sonny's in um, Wisconsin what, now, but he was in California, right? Yeah, his family's in California. He's in Wisconsin for uh, a job, and then he he goes back and forth uh, to California. Um, but Sonny and I met through uh, the Rock and Pod uh, donations last year. You took part in the Rock and Pod Expo, the first one yes. last year. Wow, so this is fairly recent. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, we met because we had both donated to a couple of podcasts that we liked quite a bit. And I had heard Sonny's um, appearance on the Decibel Geek podcast. Sure. And um, at that point, I already knew that I was planning on doing a podcast um, but I had no desire to do a podcast on my own simply because talking on a mic in a room with nobody else is kind of weird. <laughs> it's, yeah. just a, yeah. it's just a strange sensation. Yeah, some people can make it work, but it, I always, I always feel it's better to have somebody to yeah. have a conversation with. Yes. It's just a, it's just an uncomfortable, uh, feeling for me. Uh, some people do it great yourself in point, but, uh, yeah, it just wasn't for me. So I always knew that I needed a co-host and, and before I launched the show, I wanted to take a couple practice runs just to see, Hey, you know, how's this going to come out? Uh, and so I reached out to Sonny through social media and said, Hey, I heard you on this episode. I just did an episode. Here's my episode. Would you be interested in jumping on a Skype call and um, taking part in this podcast that I want to launch? And Sonny was uh, absolutely. He was he was very cool about it. He's like, sure. He's he told me up front. He goes, he goes, hey, I'll be happy to jump on mic with you and uh, talk about rock and roll, but. Uh, I, I really don't have a whole lot of time in my personal life to do anything but that because, you know, I don't want to do deal with the technical side of it. I don't want to deal with the editing and things like that, which was fine because I'd already planned that anyway. Uh, and so, you know, that's, that's how it started. We, we, uh, got together and, uh, did a couple of practice episodes and uh, then made it happen once uh, we felt comfortable. And, and then Sonny and I met for the first time at the Rockin' Pod uh, Expo face-to-face. Really? So that, that first Rockin' Pod Expo where actually Sonny guested on one of our shows at, at that, that was the first uh-huh. time you guys met face-to-face. That's wild. Yeah. yeah um, very and cool. And there, are you going to participate in the, the next one? We are participating in Rock and Pod too. We were kind of there as guests last year and weren't really officially invited, even though we did a couple of interviews with some of the uh, visiting rock stars and stuff like that. We weren't really technically officially invited because we had just kind of launched the podcast, so we we're new to everything. But this year, uh, we are officially going to be there and uh, be set up and recording and all that good stuff. Cool. Cool. And I don't think I'm going to make it this year, unfortunately, but it sounds like it's going to be another great time. The Rock and Pod Expo in Nashville. So definitely uh, check that out. The what is it? The GoFundMe page that's going again, right? Yeah, it's uh, GoFundMe forward slash Rock and Pod. That's R-O-C-K, the letter N as in Nancy, P-O-D, uh, 2018. Very cool. Uh, is is the uh, thing you can donate you can come on the grown up rocks uh podcast and do your own episode uh and then there's several other episodes that are offering kind of the same type of perks and uh yeah i mean it's a good time you know what's what's better than sitting around talking rock and roll with a bunch of rock stars and music lovers and 
you know, vinyl vendors and things like that. It's, it's just a good time. Plus it's in Nashville, which is a, a cool music uh, town to go visit and uh, lots of cool stuff to do there. And that's in August, August 26th at the Nashville Palace. They moved it to a new venue. So that cool. should be cool. Absolutely cool. What song can we play for the Talking Metal listeners? You got another one picked out, right, Stephen? Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, so start it with uh, classic Van Halen. Let's move on to uh, some ACDC for me. And uh, I, I love, love that you picked this. I love that you picked this. <laughs> such a great song. I love all ACDC. I love Bon Scott. I love Brian Johnson. But I was like, what, what song do I feel like playing today? And, and there's a million different tracks. And I said, you know, this is an underrated song from, from kind of an underrated record uh, that I absolutely love. So I picked off COD, Care of the Devil, off the For Those About to Rock album. Nice. Here we go. ACDC off of one of my favorite ACDC records. And again, it all kind of fits into the theme of growing up rock because I, that, that as far as growing up rock goes, that was probably like the fourth or fifth cassette I've, I ever got. And I just played that over and over and over again. And I'd had Dirty Deeds on vinyl, but that was the second ACDC record, if I'm remembering correctly, that I got. Now, Back in Black was out. It was still getting radio airplay at that time. But that that record had so many good songs on it, and I felt was like a sister album to, to, to Back in Black. But through the decades, I feel like, besides the title track, 
those songs have really kind of disappeared off of people's radar. So, th- so thank you for bringing that song back. Cause it's a great one. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a really, uh, to your point, kind of an underrated record other than that title track, you know, and, and, uh, I think people kind of viewed it as a letdown after back in black, but Jesus, man, every record's a letdown after back in black. Come on. Yeah, yeah totally. Totally. And, uh, but yeah, that was a great record. I loved that record. And that is definitely one of the better, the better songs off of the record. All right. So let's, um, let's remind people where they can reach you guys online. It's growinguprock.com. We'll have that link through today's show notes. What about social media? Are you on Twitter or Instagram? Of course. So you can follow us um, at Twitter, which is um, at Growing Up Rock. Uh, so again, that's G R O W I N U P R O C K. Uh, you can follow my partner, Hollywood Pooney, uh, at Pooney Sunny. Uh, and then uh, we are at Facebook um, at Growing Up Rock. And again, thanks for joining us on this episode, Stephen. We're going to have all your links up in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com and TalkingRock.net. And let's, uh, yeah, this is, this is great. Let's do this again at some point. Oh, absolutely. We're going to put together a theme episode for uh, Grown Up Rock next time and have you come on and we'll just pick our favorite uh, youth albums or something like that. Our, right our favorite our favorite records in you know, when we were 16 to 21 or something. I don't know. We'll yeah. come up with something fun to do, but for sure. Awesome. Cool. We're going to go out with Princess of the Dawn by Accept, of course, the great Love it. Udo Dirk Schneider on vocals. This was requested on Patreon by one of our supporters. His name is BJ. BJ, I hope you're you're doing well and wearing your Talking Metal t-shirts. The whole family should have one now. I think uh, we. I think I sent you three of them. But uh, so thank you for your support, BJ. And I am so psyched to play this because this Friday I'm going to catch one of the final shows of Dirk Schneider. That is uh, Udo Dirk Schneider. He is playing in Asbury Park at the Stone Pony. Stone Pony. Uh, played it before. God, yeah. love that place. Oh, you've played it? Oh, yeah. Oh, cool, cool. Uh, he, so he's playing there, the uh, the famous venue down on the Jersey Shore, right on the, the water. And I can't wait to, to see Udo do a night of classic, except we were at, I believe it was the first night of the tour, or maybe it was the second night of the tour when it started, and we'll be at one of the final nights when he comes back around this Friday night. So, uh, yeah, use our Amazon links, guys. You can get to those by going to talkingrock.net or talkingmetal.com. You can give a PayPal donation. A big shout-out to David Gray. This guy sent me a PayPal donation, which came in as 20 pounds, and then he also went and joined our Patreon page, pledging $4 a month. So a big thanks to you. David David Gray, you did that today, the day Stephen and I are recording this episode. And I know there's a bunch of other requests through the Patreon people for music, and we're going get to get to those in a future episode. And that'll about do it. Stephen from Growing Up Rock, thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Mark. Have a great day. This is Princess of the Dawn by Accept. Shadow of her princess, she waits for you inside.
Princess of a Dawn.